Minute Sermon, a podcast from the Reverend George Pink. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Those are some very famous words from 1 Corinthians 13. And those words about the nature of love are familiar not just for people who go to church or read the Bible regularly. If you attend a wedding, there's a pretty good chance you'll hear them. Those famous words about love come from a letter which was written to a church about 2,000 years ago. The letter was written by a guy called Paul. In fact, he wrote a large chunk of the New Testament. He's often called Saint Paul or Paul the Apostle. But at one stage, it would have seemed very unlikely that he would be the guy writing letters about love to Christian churches. If the people who knew Paul in his previous life had come across a letter like this one to the Corinthians, they might have been just a little surprised. He starts the letter by introducing himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. But he was not always one of those. In fact, this man had actually persecuted Christians. The first Christian martyr was Saint Stephen. When he was stoned to death, the men killing him laid their cloaks at the feet of a man called Saul. Saul, by the way, was the Hebrew version of the name Paul. Saul is how we pronounce it in English, but really it's Shaul of Tarsus. Paulos, or Paul, was the Roman or Latin version of the same name. Whether we call him Saul or Paul, this is the guy we're talking about. The people stoning Stephen laid their cloaks at his feet. That means he was overseeing what went on. He was presiding over the execution. So how did he go from that to writing love is patient, love is kind? The story of Saul's or Paul's conversion is one of the most dramatic stories in the Bible. Let's listen to some of it. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. That's from Acts chapter 9. As we've just heard, Saul is on his way to arrest followers of Jesus in the city of Damascus when he's struck down by a blinding light. Jesus confronts him directly, saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He then tells Saul to get up and go into the city where he will be told what he must do. Saul is blinded for several days, and he doesn't eat or drink. What happens next is he's visited by a disciple called Ananias, 
who Jesus had spoken to in a vision about Saul. Ananias prays for Saul, who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Something like scales fall from Saul's eyes and he can see again. He regains his strength and he's baptised into the Christian faith. The rest, as they say, is history. I think the conversion of St. Paul is a really powerful reminder that people can change and that God will change them. Paul would have seemed a pretty unlikely candidate to spread the gospel among the nations. But the man who had overseen the killing of Christians went on to write a large part of the Christian New Testament, and he was one of the greatest theologians and missionaries of the early church. The Reverend Kerri-Ann Hokianga is an Anglican Māori evangelist who ministers in South Auckland. She says that this story gives her hope that God can change anybody. Kerri-Ann says that Paul becoming a powerful evangelist speaks volumes about God's transforming grace for our lives today. I really like that idea, that God's grace can transform anybody. Paul's story shows us that with God, nothing is impossible. It's a reminder that even the hardest heart can soften, and even the most unrepentant sinner can change their ways. When Paul encountered the risen Jesus, he was making a journey. He was travelling from Jerusalem to Damascus. And while he did continue that journey in a physical sense by going on to Damascus, we could also say that he made a sort of U-turn. One of the Hebrew words in the Bible we translate as repent literally means to turn around. So repentance is about doing a U-turn. Paul's conversion reminds us that U-turns can in fact happen. It's interesting that in general culture today, people talk about a road to Damascus experience when someone radically changes what they believe or do. That was certainly the case in the life of St. Paul. He experienced a radical transformation. He went from overseeing the killing of Christians to writing letters to Christian churches about the nature of love. Paul went from being a persecutor of Christians to an apostle of Christ. It would be difficult to overestimate the impact of Paul's life, not only on the early Christian church, but really on the world since then. This would have all seemed pretty unlikely prior to the day he met Jesus. I believe that God is still in the business of changing lives. He invites people to transformation and he changes them. Paul's story shows us that anyone is capable of changing and ultimately living for God's glory. God can change anybody. Seven Minute Sermon, a podcast from the Reverend George Pink. 